Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I'm going to relay the story to you as best I can. Uh, John, I'm sorry if I get any details messed up, but um, he said that, that he runs cattle and he had them in a couple of different fields or pastures or whatever he said, and he's been having a hard time with pink eye. N- not him, because that's when I told my wife this story. She goes, why does he have pink eye? No, it's the cows that have pink eye. And so, anyway, he went into the first pasture, and, and he had to doctor a couple of them then. And, you know, he's by himself. And, and listen, man, you've got to be pretty handy to rope a six or 700-pound critter by yourself, lay it down, and doctor it. And he does everything by himself, so, so I know the fella's plumb handy. And so he got a couple roped and doctored and had to go to another pasture to see what was going on. And he, he gets over there, and, and the cattle were just kind of a little bit flighty, which, you know, happens when they see a horse come in. So he's like, I'm just going to take my time. I'm going to be patient with them. And he just got behind them like it was no big deal, like they just happened to be walking down the fence line together. And he was just sitting there, and he was kind of swinging his rope and just being real gentle. And where they were first kind of trotting off, they kind of slowed down and was just walking down this uh fence line and he had spotted one that he needed to doctor and so he's getting closer and closer and you know you don't make eye contact with them because if you make eye contact with them they somehow know and so he you know he's looking off this way and finally he gets an opening and first loop reaches out there and ropes it with a big long rope dallies to his saddle horn and of course you know this docile critter just walking along like no but not a care in the world i don't know what happens but there must be an energy transfer from the cowboy and the horse to the deal to the cow because as soon as that rope hits her they're like you know and they're just jumping around and you're just kind of sitting there like okay everything's gonna be okay sweetheart you know this is no big deal and it's and of course the other cows are scattering everywhere and you know horses sitting there and holding been done a hundred thousand times cowboys all across the country until the cow comes back this way and she's so worried about that rope on her neck she doesn't give a, a care in the world about that barbed wire fence and she goes through it well now he's kind of in a dilemma because now he's got a critter roped. He's all by himself. He's got one rope, I think. That's what he said. Not, not with him, but more at the trailer. But on his horse, he's got one rope. Well, you've got a lot of decisions to make. And, and those decisions have to come pretty quick. Do you, you, know, do you turn it loose? Well, now, then, then you would have a cow running around the pasture with a rope around her neck. You've got to go all the way back. And now she's really not going to be... Like, oh, just come get near me again, and you can rope me again. That's not going to happen, right? And so he just kind of he kind of stood there, and, you know, even a small cow, man, you'd be surprised at how stout they can be and kind of dragging his horse towards the fence. And anyway, he, he, it's fun, right? I mean, this is what cowboys live for. And, and you know, at, at the beginning, he, he, said, he said, you know what, I... I just kind of kept calm, even though it, it was fixing to turn into a big wreck. Well, everything was going as smooth as a flat-out stupid wreck can go until they got close to the fence, and John's horse starts freaking out. 
And he said, this horse don't freak out, man. This, this horse is kind of bomb-proof, but it, man, it started freaking out kind of like, <laughs> you know, everybody wants the, the, the Doc Holliday in Tombstone that just, you know, doesn't give a care in the world, can just, you know, walk down the street and everything. Well, that's a lot of times how our, we want our horses to be, but they're more like Kevin Hart playing Doc Holliday, you know, just all skitsy and everything. And, and that's, what, that's what John's horse was doing. And he was like, what in the world is the matter with you? And then he saw it. Well, he saw a lot. See where that cow had gone through the fence, there was a ground hornet's nest about this big. And they was nine kinds of peod. And they, you know, the, all these hornets are flying everywhere. The cow's trying to back up to get away from them. The horse is trying to go this way to get away from them. And John is just kind of stuck in the middle with his dally. I said, what'd you do, John? He goes, you know, he said, I just kind of started side passing. And of course, you know, you can't go more than about 20 feet because you're going to run into a post or something. But luckily, by the grace of God, there's a cross tie in the ground right there so he just kind of side passed over to this cross tie and he starts backing his horse up and you know he's still got hornets flying everywhere but they're kind of staying by the nest which is good and he said i just backed up and tried to get that that cow as close to that cross tie as i could and as soon as i felt a little bit of slack in the rope he said i bailed off like a calf roper with the end of the rope and he ran over there and he threw about three dallies around this cross tie and of course you know cal run off because he's running towards it and he said i sat there like this and every time there'd be a little bit of slack i'd, I'd pull it in and i'd pull it in i'd pull it in and he said you know before i knew it she was right there so he said i just tied it off to the deal uh, to the cross tie and i crawled under the fence and i tailed her down i said you didn't know it he said yeah now, I, I don't know how many of y'all have ever been around a 600-pound mad yearling. It's hard enough to tail them down when they're roped by a head and two heels, much less by just the head. And I said, how did you get that done? He said, well, she was kind of winded by now, and she kind of went down on her front knees, and he said, I just hit her like Ray Lewis, like a linebacker. Just hit her and grabbed her back leg and flipped her up. She just laid there. I was like, you're lucky, man. You got hornets. You got a cow across the fence. It goes down for you. God was sure enough with you. He doctored the yearling, grabbed a hold of the rope, pulled the slip knot, got up, went and found her an open gate, put her back through. So John's telling me the story. And he said, you know, I was telling another friend of mine that saw that post the other day. And the guy asked me, he said, man, how long did that take? And he said, you know, that's the crazy part about it. From the time I got a neck rope on her till the time I pulled it off was somewhere between three and five minutes. I said, you did all that in three or five minutes? I can't find my car keys in three to five minutes. He goes, I know. He said, it was crazy. You know, John told me that even though it was a good wreck, he never got scared. He never got mad. Tried to have as much patience as he could because, you see, John lived a rough life until he found Christ. But just because you find Christ, you're not magically gifted with all of the things that you used to stink at, and now suddenly you're good. And he said that God had been working on him about his anger and his patience for about a year now. 
And his friend told him, he said, that only took you three minutes? He said, no, that took me years. Not to be able to, to get mad, to fly off the handle. And you know, we, we use a, in, in the cowboy world, um, well, and I don't know why, because we all know that they don't really exist, but there's a horse term called bomb proof. Oh, this old horse is bomb proof. Well, that just usually tells you that the price is gonna be higher and uh, he just ain't found the bomb yet. <laughs> Send it to me, I will prove to you that it's not bomb proof because I can get in a wreck quick. But you know, everybody wants to know how to have a bomb proof horse. But what I've realized is that more than a bomb proof horse, maybe that horse needs a bomb proof rider because that makes all the difference in the world. Let's look deeper at what John went through in his and I conversation that we might be able to pin down just what it looks like from a biblical perspective. In Romans chapter 12, 12, I started looking for stuff. And, and Romans is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And, uh, man, and, I, and I just, uh, I read it quite often in addition to my regular reading. And, and just as soon as John was talking about this, I thought, man, I, I've read something about, about patience and, and other stuff. And so I went back to Romans and I started reading it, you know, and offer yourself as a living sacrifice and, you know, all of this stuff, good stuff. And then I got to Romans 12, 12, and I felt God say, there it is right there. He wasn't talking to y'all, he was talking to me. See, I, I never preach at anybody. I only preach what God gets on to me about, and then I tell y'all about it, and the shoe, if the shoe fits, man, lace it up and pull it up tight, wrap it around, you know what I mean? And if not, man, may, may, maybe you can pass it along to somebody else. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, in the New Living Translation, it says, Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Now, you know, I have a lot of people tell me, well, I just don't understand the Bible. Well, you know, that, that seems pretty simple to me. I think that's pretty straightforward, shooting from the hip. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. And to me, this verse tells us exactly how to be a bomb-proof person. If we can do these three simple things, I mean, some of us like me, I mean, maybe you're better at it than I am, but I'm gonna have to work on this probably for about 50 years to be able to get it down. But I ain't afraid of hard work. To me, this verse tells us how to live a bomb-proof life. So let's go through it. Rejoice in our confident hope. Rejoice in our confident hope. One of these days I'm gonna quit jacking with this thing. Rejoice in our confident hope. In other words, hope is faith at full stupid. Now, <laughs> a lot of people, they're like, I... We've got these shirts that say full stupid or not at all. And, and that, that's just because I always talk about going out and roping wild cattle or roping calves. And we're flying out across the pasture at full stupid, right? Just, you know, pedal to the metal, balls to the wall, all of that. I learned what that, where that came from, by the way, the other day. In World War II, the fighter pilots, the, all the engines, there was a little ball on it. And whenever they would get into a fight, that was the term, was balls to the wall. They would push the engines, you know, all the engines at full throttle. So that's what that means, by the way. You don't have to pay any extra for that nugget of information. I am a fountain of very useless information. 
Rejoice in our confident hope, man. Hope is faith at full stupid, man. Why would we do it any other way? Because I see a lot of times, I see people that that are, are hesitant in their faith. And when you're hesitant in your faith, it's hard to have that confident hope. Man, why, why don't, why aren't our faith, is it just full stupid, man? Boss the wall, give him the reins, man. Clock to him, let's go, give him his head. That's what kind of faith God wants us to have. And he's like, man, it's sitting there waiting on you, but you've got your head pulled up into your lap and, you know, fighting the bit and everything because you're, you're so scared. We need to rejoice in our confident hope. You know, it doesn't matter if it's dogs, horses, or people. But have you ever noticed that when you tiptoe around something, what does it do to them? Makes them plumb nervous, don't it? You start tiptoeing around me, we's gonna have a boot fight, okay? You're gonna start making me nervous. You walk in here like you own the joint and then we're gonna be good parts. But you know, horses are like that, man. I, I've seen good horses that somebody that's timid walks up to them and that horse is like, what's the matter with you? We, our, our faith needs to be the same way. We, we don't need to be tiptoeing off scared-like with our hope and our faith. God doesn't want us tiptoeing through life. He wants, it as, he wants us at full stupid, man. And the only thing holding us back is us. It's not God. He gives it all to us, and he's like, man, use as much of it as, as you want to. Well, unfortunately, using as much as we want to I don't think we use near enough. I don't think we use near as enough. Near, nears is enough. I don't know, my Texas is coming out bad and carny today. I don't know what it is. You know, but to get through a roping wreck at full stupid, there better been a lot of work on the dummy and not the one with plastic horns pulled by a four-wheeler or UTV. I'm talking about the dummy that watches you brush your teeth. And no, I'm not talking about your wife or your husband. Okay? That's creepy. People don't need to be staring at you while you brush your teeth, okay? I mean us. Needs to be a lot of work on the dummy before we can do anything at full stupid. So how can we practice on the dummy? You know, hope doesn't mean everything will be perfect now. It means it will be perfect one day. And you know what? No matter how bad we mess up, we ain't gonna change it. You know what? Your mistakes are not gonna derail God's plan for your life or for eternity. You know, God's not gonna be walking along and go, oh crap, I didn't see that coming. He he knows, guys. Man, go through life at full stupid, man. Give it your all, give 100%. That's what it means. Give 100%. We're we're really good at, man, holding back like at 10%. Man, life is not tithe, isn't a tithe of giving 10%. Man, it's what Jesus said, give everything you have. That might not have been a very good illustration, but hopefully y'all are smarter than me and you can figure it out. You know, hope is putting more faith in our Father's forgiveness than our misguided mistakes. Hope is putting more faith in our Father's forgiveness than our misguided mistakes. Do you want to become bomb-proof in your life? We we always want other people to be bomb-proof, but maybe it needs to start with you. Because when we are bomb proof, it has a calming effect on those around us there's a meme on on social media that goes around and says always look for the calmest guy in the room is that you well maybe it's not because you're a guy maybe we should say person always look for the calmest person in the room rejoice in our confident hope 
be patient in trouble and keep on praying. We talked about rejoicing our confident hope. Let's talk about be patient in trouble. You know, thinking that patient means waiting, patience doesn't just mean waiting. Okay, there's an element to that. But I, but I think that we have it in our head that patience means waiting, not necessarily. Patience means waiting is like saying riding a horse means sitting in the saddle, that that's all you do. <laughs> that's like the smallest part of what you do when you ride. Patience isn't just about waiting. Patience isn't slow decision-making. It's wise decision-making. Think about that. John had a ton of patience that day when things were happening. Boom, 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 boom. He didn't have time to say, well, you know what? We better pray about this. <laughs> I bet he was praying from the very beginning. Patience isn't slow decision-making. Patience is wise decision-making. And wisdom takes time. Wisdom takes time. It comes from God through our continued relationship with him through the Son. You know, and, and, and it, it's, a, it's a joke and everybody laughs about it. Well, don't, don't ever pray for patience because God will, you know, make you work on it. And we can look at that as a negative or as a positive, man. Yeah, let's start working on our patience. Let's become bomb-proof. Patience isn't waiting on something later. It means not settling for less now, right? Patience doesn't mean waiting for something later. It means not settling for less now. You know, and I, I used to tell a story to my daughter. I was like, honey, you know, she always wanted a Camaro, right? And uh, she, she's got champagne taste on her dad's, you know, MD 2020 budget. And um, anyway, I, I used to tell her this story. I was like, you know what, honey? You just got to be patient. And I said, because let me give you an illustration. I said, let's say you wanted a Camaro. But, you know, when you're 16, you're, you're not... You're not old enough for a Camaro at 16. You're probably not old enough for a Camaro at 18. But for your 21st birthday, I had decided that I was going to buy you a Camaro. And you keep asking me, Dad, I want a Camaro. And I was just like, be patient. When the time is right, you'll get what you need. And blah, blah, blah. And you drive this old beater pickup truck until you're 20. And you're like, you know what? I am tired of waiting. And so two days before your 21st birthday, you go out and buy a little Kia, because you want a new car. And you drive up my driveway to show me your new car. I said, do you think I'm gonna buy you a Camaro? She said, no. And I said, why? She said, because you can't afford it. And I was like, you're missing the point. You are missing the point. No, I was not gonna buy you a Camaro. You knew that, but let's focus. Patience isn't waiting on something later. It means not settling for less now. Patience and trouble means learning from it, not whining through it. How can we practice on the dummy? You know, we need to know what God says about things. We need to know that God says about things because he wrote us a... We know what God says to us because he wrote us a love letter a long time ago on how to do things right, how to stay away from things that are wrong, and that the hard way is usually the right way, which is not the world's way. Read that good book, you know. There's a lot of changes going on in the United States today. And one thing that does not change is the good book is still good. The good book is still good. Let me rephrase that in cowboy talk. Read your Bibles, not heads. And people say, well, I don't understand it. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, that thing can be a little difficult to read sometimes. Okay? But I've got a cure for you. No more excuses. You don't understand it? Read it until you do understand something and practice that. It's not as hard as you think. 
Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Praying isn't about God doing things your way. It's about being able to do things God's way. You know, just, just so y'all know, I was raised in a little Baptist church in a little old place called Big Lake, Texas. And later on, when me and my wife got married, I had a ready-made family that I loved more than life itself. And so I said, you know, we needed to get back in church and, you know, be a good example. And I mean, I wanted to be a good daddy. And I remember going to this Baptist church in Pecos, Texas, because I was grown by this time. And uh, the pastor always called on this one fellow to pray. And I never could pay attention because I was amazed at the language he spoke when he prayed. My wife would have to elbow me because I'd just be looking at him, right? Because he would pray like, Dear Heavenly Father, let us thank Thee, Heavenly Father, that Thy and Thy Heavenly Father has bestowed upon us Thine glory. And I didn't know what he was saying. I didn't know if you'd go to seminary to learn that or, you know, I was kind of intrigued by it. Never did pay attention. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But I couldn't do that. So you know how I pray? I just talk to my dad. That's all I do. Ain't nothing fancy. There ain't nothing fancy about it. There is no special prayer language. You know what? You can even argue with God. You ever argued with God? I do all the time. It's usually to little avail. But you know what? He's big enough. He's big enough to handle it. I've argued with him. I've found this especially useful in realizing just how self-centered I usually am. Prayer isn't about getting what you want. It's about getting what you need. And what you really need, every stinking one of us, is a real ride with Jesus Christ. How can we practice on the dummy? We need to quit thinking of it as praying and just start thinking about what it really is, and that's talking to our daddies. He wants to hear about your wants, your fears, your needs, your successes, your failures, your hopes, your dreams. You can even talk to him about what you want to be when you grow up. You never get too old for that. To think that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob wants to stop what he's doing and talk with just you, to have you crawl up in his lap or sit in a rocking chair out on the porch watching the sunset, to think that that's what the God of all creation wants from you should make us want it every stinking day. It should make us want to go to God in prayer, not struggle through prayer. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. You can do this. You can do this. You might do it like a greenhorn on a green broke Hancock double bread, a double bread Hancock, but you can do it. If you're not sure what that means, ask Zach. He's one in the cowboy hat. You know, if I've got a message for you today, you can do this. You really can. If I can do it, you can do it. And if you can do it, somebody else might just watch you and be able to do it too. I was riding along one day on the Rocker B Ranch. Rocker B Ranch at the time, if I don't, if I recall, right, it was just uh, north of Big Lake. It's 276 sections, 276 square miles. And we were gathering a big, big pasture. You couldn't even see the people you were flanking. You kind of knew their general direction. And so you kind of weave back and forth when you're gathering. And I don't really remember what we were doing that day, but we was out there doing something. And I'm, my, I'm flanking my dad. And I happened to come out in this little clearing because it's real brushy and mesquite. And I look over towards his direction and it's like somebody's trying to mow a dirt pasture. I mean, there is just dirt flying everywhere. Uh, that, that don't look good. So I long trot over there. Dust is blowing in my face. Kind of calms down. And I see my dad on the ground. Heart kind of started beating fast. 
and I saw the horse that he was riding. We called him the Red Colt. The Red Colt was pitching like his tail was on fire, and Dad had roped a calf, and he was tied on and somehow had come off. And now the calf is running around, and the horse is pitching, and they're just going like that, and Dad is just standing there watching it all happen. So I rode up to him, and I leaned on the saddle horn, took a toothpick out of my hat, and watched the show. Didn't say a whole lot. Didn't say anything until things kind of calmed down. Finally, I looked down at Dad, and I was like, how's it going? He took a deep breath, and he said, looks like that cult needs a little more desensitizing. He never even looked at me when he said it. I switched the toothpick to the other side of my mouth and said, maybe a little. This story ran through my head as I watched the calf I was trying to doctor run underneath my horse between the front and back legs while I was tied on about 15 years later. But I couldn't believe what happened next. <laughs> I, still, I still marvel at it today. And you'll just have to practice your patience until next week when I tell you what happened. Next week, we'll look at how God desensitizes our lives to help, again, make us bomb-proof. He wants us bomb-proof. And the training wouldn't be necessarily what I call fun, but it sure is meaningful. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for everybody that's watching online, that's back in Kiowa and even worshiping here with us in Kearney, Nebraska. God, I just, I'm always amazed. I will never not be amazed at the work that you do through people's lives, including my own. And God, what you want for us, what you want for me, I've, I've had a taste of, and I continue to want it. And God, I hope these people listening, no matter where they're at, want that life too. It ain't an easy life riding for you, but it's worth it. It's worth it down here and it's worth it in the end for sure. God, give us the courage to rejoice in our confident hope and be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.